Welcome to Be All You Are, a midlife awakening podcast. I'm your host, Kena Paranjape, the founder of All You Are, a women's lifestyle brand, an entrepreneur, writer, and mother. This podcast is all about stepping into all you are. It's about reconnecting to your inner voice so you can hear the whispers of your true desires and cultivate the courage to create the life that is meant for you. Your dreams are your soul's voice. They are worth your time and attention. Now head out on that solo walk or settle into a cozy spot with a favorite beverage and join me. I can't wait to meet you. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so happy to be here with you and especially excited to share this conversation with you with someone special that I met a long time ago. And one of those meetings that, you know, could have been a passing thing, but resulted in a lasting friendship. So I'm excited to introduce you to her and that conversation to you. Um, Before I do, I wanted to let you know that I am working on a very exciting workshop series for you that will be launching in November. It will be free and it is, I will be pouring all the work that I have done. I mean, how far back should I go? (laughs) Over decades, maybe in a more hands-on way over the last year all my learnings and insights and tips and tricks for living a life that is a full expression of who you are, not a life that anyone else deems successful or is suited to anyone else, but that is suited to you. And I cannot wait to extend an invite to you for that event coming up in November. Before that, though, I wanted to make sure that we are connected. So if we are not connected on Instagram, I would love to make friends there. Um, If you go over to Instagram and then um, my handle is at Kena, K-E-N-A, underscore all you are. So the name of the company, A-L-L-Y-O-U-A-R-E, Kena underscore all you are please let's connect and be friends and let me know what's happening in your life. Um, The other way to stay connected and to learn more about this workshop series um, that I'm launching is to head on over to alluare.ca slash forward slash Sunday dash note. And there you'll sign up for my weekly newsletters. Um, And you just have to put in your name and address and email address, and you will start receiving notes from me on a regular basis, but not too regular. And I never spam. I guarantee guarantee you, you will love my emails. I always put a lot of thought and a lot of heart into them. Um, So now I want to move into the interview portion of this podcast episode. And This episode, I am speaking with the lovely, lovely artist, writer, mother, friend, daughter, sister, all of the things, Mira Lee Patel. Mira and I met while I was running a business called Bricka that supported under-the-radar artisans and designers. When I met Mira, she was a part-time self-taught artist. 
She had been creating her own art and starting to sell it on Etsy and at marketplaces while still working full time, sharing an apartment with a friend in Brooklyn. And over the years, uh, we cemented this very um, authentic, real friendship, even though we haven't spent a lot of physical time together, but there was just sort of like a common knowing between us. And through the years, we've had conversations that have always been meaningful with some deep insight in them. Um, And it has been such a pleasure to see her take a bold path and not a certain path, not a clear path by any means, but the one that led her to her calling to what she was being called forward to do in spite of what, you know, traditional kind of um, thought processes would ask of her. And I have watched her blossom and grow and her life just unfold in the most beautiful ways. And I'm we share some of that story in this conversation We also talk a lot about creativity and authenticity and one of my favorite subjects, which is lowering the volume on all the external noise that we deal with every day and increasing the volume on our inner voice. So again, just to introduce Mira, she is a self-taught artist, writer, and internationally recognized best-selling author. She writes these books that feel like journeys, you know, they're not just a book where you are on the outside, you kind of like one of those choose your own adventures, you join the journey of the book Um, and her journals are beautiful and sort of a sensory experience. Um, Her, one of her kind of most best-selling books, Start Where You Are, which is a journal slash book, um, was one of our best sellers when we had our stores, our Bricka stores, um, quite a few years ago now. And since then, she's gone on to release some other amazing books and journals. And she is now working on some children's literature as she continues to follow her heart. And I just love this conversation with her. I'm actually going to have her back um, soon to talk about the newest journal that she's releasing. But for now, please enjoy this conversation with the lovely Mira Lee Patel. Mira Lee Patel, welcome to the podcast. (laughs) Thank you. I'm so happy to be here with you. I'm so happy to have you. And I love the way Um, I love sharing the story of how we met and then how our relationship has evolved. And I feel like you're this far away sister almost, right? Like when we talk, I feel like you're a little sister and I just am cheering for you and I'm so proud of you. (laughs) Thank you. I feel the same way. And I'm inspired by you. Let's just not forget that. Like most of all, I'm inspired by you. Thank you. I feel the same exact way. And I feel so lucky that we found each other so many years ago when you invited me to have such a beautiful presence in your store in Bricka with Mm -hmm. you and Jen. And I love that, you know, so much has changed for us since then, personally, professionally, but we're still here together. And I really, really, it's, 
it's indescribable. Like that doesn't happen all the time. So it's so special. Oh, it's so true. It's so true. It is special. And yes. Um, So I want to go back and actually talk about how we first met. So we met when, as you mentioned, I was running Bricka with my co-founder, Jen, and we had a small team. And um, through Bricka, we were featuring artisans and designers and um, featuring the work and then also telling your story. So I think when we first started working with you, it was through the site and like selling your prints on the site. Um, And I don't even know how we found you or maybe it was like Gavin on on our team (laughs) who found you, who knows? But at this point, you were um, living in Brooklyn and you were working full time and had a um, and and you were doing your art on the side, right? And I'm going to let you fill this in more, but I just want to like bring us some context to how we met. And then you continued on that journey. And um, actually, you know what? I'm going to hand it over to you because I don't want to get the timing of things wrong, like when um, Start Where You Are came out and everything. Right. So let's just like go back to that period of time when you were you know, working full time and, and, and also on your art and what was happening in your life at the time. So I was mid in my mid twenties and I was living and working in Brooklyn. I worked full time for a technical publishing company as an editor. Um, Mm -hmm. so I was editing papers written by electrical engineers. That is what I did full time. And after about a year of doing that, I was fresh out of college. I've been working there for a year, felt so grateful and lucky to have a job at all. Um, because I graduated right after, you know, the economic crash here in the U.S. And it was very difficult for people my age to get work. So I felt super lucky. And about after a year of going into the office every day and, you know, spending the majority of my time there, I felt really confused. I felt like I had abandoned a large part of myself that uh, made me feel like me. Um, which was namely my creativity. And I felt really um, drained. I think the way that anybody can when they're, when they've settled into a monotony of life, when you're kind of clocking in, clocking out, you're doing work. Yes, I was incredibly grateful to have my job, to have the security, but that doesn't mean it was meaningful work for me. And so there was a level of detachment that I went through my own life with, and I felt very disconnected from myself. So I started making art primarily to heal that, to heal that gap, um, that chasm that had uh, been created inside myself and to find my to find my way back to me. And as I got started, I had an Etsy shop. I, I joined like the craft market circuit and started selling at markets on the weekends. And through that process, I met other families, families of artists who were making a living. And this was very contradictory to my Indian immigrant upbringing, <laughs> which was yes. you should be creative. You should always do your art, but this is not a way to live your life. And mm-hmm. it is not stable and you cannot mm-hmm. support yourself. And, mm-hmm. you know, doctor, lawyer, <laughs> electrical engineer, like these are the routes that will uh, provide you with a home and stability and healthcare and all of that. Yes. And so when it was like, my world had been rocked and I saw, you know, people, ordinary people like us and they're making art and they were making a living and they had families 
and they paid their bills and they went to the doctor. And I said, I'm going to make that happen for myself. And so that was really where, what that was a year, two years post-grad, one year into my full-time job. That's when kind of I made that promise to myself. Mm-hmm. That my goal is to work for myself and to be able to support myself with my art. And it was another nearly 10 years, <laughs> and a half years that I stayed at that mm-hmm. job. Um, my first book, Start Where You Are, came out in 2015. Mm-hmm. Rika was such a huge supporter of that book. Um, yes. Oh my goodness. It was the number one seller for months <laughs> in our whole store of all the things. Start Where You Are. Amazing. And that book opened a lot of doors for me, primarily my you know, my publishing career. I now make a living primarily as an artist author. I write mm-hmm. and illustrate books. It gave me, I think, a lot of internal confidence and encouragement and validation. And it, I think, mostly inspired me to keep going. So that book came out in 2015. It wasn't until 2017, eight and a half years since I started working on my art and working full-time. And two years, two and a half years after the publication of that first book, that I did finally quit my job and decide to take a chance on myself. So Tet, remind me again, then from the time that you saw, you know, examples of people doing their art and and making a living, as you said, and to the time where you quit your job, how many years was that? It was eight and a half. Eight and a half years. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It takes some things take time, it, but there were, but you did it. it. Yeah. And there was, I mean, this is, you know, to anyone listening being like, oh, you know, she stuck with it. Yes. I stuck with it. But so many times I was like, should I just stop? Like mm-hmm. I'm happy just going to my day job and clocking in, clocking out, having a social life, having time mm-hmm. to go on vacation, to see my friends, to date, you know, I had mm-hmm. nothing because I was so focused on both jobs. Mm -hmm. I worked all the time. That is what I prioritized. So, you know, there was a lot of sacrifice um, in terms of, I would say, happiness, joy, um, Mm -hmm. companionship and connection, and also in ease, in ease of life. You know, I Mm -hmm. worked very, very hard. And I think I I gave up a lot of mental and physical comfort um, in order to do those things. So what I would love to know, Mira, is what made you not give up? Because I think this is like such an interesting thing, right? Because we, we, we see something that we desire for ourselves and we feel called towards it, but that doesn't mean that that journey is straightforward or without discomfort or without sacrifice. And so I think a lot of us do give up. So what is it that um, kept you going, even when you have those moments where you're like, I'm not dating or I'm not taking holidays? What right. kept you going? Honestly, I asked myself, I have to keep asking myself, is this what I want? And if I stop yeah. now, like, will I, will I be happy? Will I you know, feel like I gave it my all. And whenever I asked myself, whenever I got to that point, that was low enough that I was like, okay, I could just stop. Like, I I don't have to do this. Nobody is asking me to do this. Mm-hmm. Other than me. 
um, the answer was always no, like this is really what I want. This is what I don't feel like I've tried everything I could try. I don't, th- I think I have more to give. I believe this is what I really want and what I'm, what I am meant to be doing with my life. And so that was always the answer. And, you know, with yeah. other hard things in my life, I, I have the same conversation with myself. And sometimes the answer is, yeah, I do want to give up. And it yeah. doesn't mean that much to me. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's not worth the heartache and the effort. Mm-hmm. So I think that this was it for me. And every time I came to that crossroads where it felt really difficult, I would ask myself, you know, do I really, really want this? And I did. And so I kept going. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And it's funny now, we're going to talk about your most recent books that have come out and all the things that you've done, but it, you know, it makes me think if, what if you had stopped at any of those moments in time, right? Like what if you had stopped, like you would not have continued on this journey. You wouldn't have affected so many people, inspired so many people with your books, helped so many people. Yeah. Right. Um, and then we can only look back and see that. It's only in hindsight. So it's like so important for people who are on the journey to know that you ha- like if you have conviction in where you're headed, that's enough. Like you don't you don't need any more proof than that yeah. to keep going, you know? One of the things I wanted to ask you Mira though is your relationship with art, right? Because I I totally get it being the um, a daughter of Indian immigrants and like what are reasonable careers and you know even the, my path that I followed yeah. to this day my mom is like I have no idea what you do yeah. <laughs> and okay you do yeah yeah exactly um, but like how did your relationship with art develop and when did you realize you sort of had a gift oh this is an interesting question. I feel very affectionate towards my art and my creativity right now. Mm-hmm. And that is new. I felt that way since I became a mother three years ago. Mm-hmm. I will say that before that, I loved art and it made me feel like me. Yes, I felt like I was following my purpose and my calling. Mm-hmm. But I was so hyper focused on building a sustainable career mm-hmm. that the art part, I will say my books aside, my books are very meaningful. They're from the heart and all of that. But I think sometimes the process of creating art, of painting, could feel very mechanical to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I was so laser focused on doing what I have to do to pay the bills and keep the career um, sustained. Mm. So I I approached it. um, I approached my career very business-like in order to get Mm. to a place where it was a functional business. Mm -hmm. And now after I had Nadi, my my oldest daughter, who's going to be three soon, I suddenly had no time for anything, right? Including my work. And Mm -hmm. it was then that I decided to really focus on like, what if I have no, if I only have two hours a day to make, what am I going to make? And incidentally, um, it was work that has to do with children, children's work. Mm -hmm. And that had always been in my heart, but I never trusted Mm -hmm. myself enough to go after it. 
I never thought I was good enough. I didn't think that I would make it as a children's author or illustrator. Um, and when I had Naughty, I thought it's, it was the same thing, Kena. It was like, no one's asking me to do this work. Nobody yeah. out there cares if I make work for children, if I am, yeah. you know, a children's book author or illustrator. No one cares except for me. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to do it, it has to be now. And I have to be sailing that ship and navigating. And since then, I've tried really deliberately to say no to work that isn't on that path to where I want to go next. Mm -hmm. And that means it's the same discomfort. So starting from the beginning, it's, um, you know, a major drop in income. It's I'm quiet on social media because I'm making a bunch of work that is garbage and mm-hmm. I'm not going to share it with anybody. Mm-hmm. It's feeling really vulnerable and insecure and having a lot of self-doubt about whether I have what it takes and whether anybody cares about what I have to say or what I have to make. Um, but in that process, I found like such a love for the art again and for the work mm-hmm. again and such a friendship with myself in seeing that although it's going to be another long road to get to this new place I want to go to, I am getting there very slowly. I Mm -hmm. am starting to make work that I feel has my voice in it and has my spirit in it. My skills are improving. I'm learning. And again, it's very slow one day at a time. Like now with my second daughter, you know, a newborn, like slower than ever, but it's that that same, um, I have that same internal ringing that says like, you're on the right path. Like you're doing, you're doing the right thing. Like no one knows you're doing this. You're pretty much invisible. Like you decided to start over again. Yeah. I think you're doing what you're supposed to do. And that feels really, really good. Oh my goodness. So I'm definitely jumping around questions here as I knew I would with you because <laughs> because I like have to I have to follow the thread. But like I mean what you're saying, I think so many people struggle with, right? Because what I talk about a lot on this podcast and just in general is this idea that we have an inner voice that knows what is good for us, that knows what we want, that knows like where where we're being what we're being called to do or, or who we're being called to be. But there's also all this external noise. And you mentioned some of it. It's like, you know, our upbringing and and which you've overcome a lot of, you know, the resistance around that already. But and then there's social media and there's fear of missing out. Like, what is everybody else doing? And I'm not like, like you said, I'm not posting much because I'm, I'm working on things. How do you wrestle with that? You know, like all these loud external voices and your internal voice. How do you? Um, give yourself space for that internal voice, like, and not to say you mentioned it yourself, not to say that you don't have those moments of doubt or you don't have those moments of like, can I do this? Right. But that you give yourself the space to listen to that voice and to keep listening to that voice, you know, what, what do you do to tap into that voice? Honestly, it is when I have time alone, I feel the most connected to myself. And I will say I'm in a big, deep place of disconnect because I have exactly zero minutes to myself right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm with my newborn all the time. 
And then my toddler comes home and I'm with her and I live with my husband. All these people live in my house. Yeah. We all hang out all the time. (laughs) So no time to myself. And that is very, very hard for me. So the cycle that I'm talking about of feeling discouraged and self-doubt and insecure and all of that, that is a daily cycle. That is happening all the time. But it's the same thing where I have to ask myself, is this really what I want? And if it means 20 more years of feeling like this and working at it and nobody noticing, that's the biggest thing, right? Because I built a career. I built a successful career by all measures uh, possible. Mm -hmm. And now I'm deciding to shift it, not throw it away, but shift it. And so I am starting over in a new industry. Uh And I have to ask myself, you know, if nobody knows who, you know, nobody sees my work for 20 years or it doesn't bring me any income or whatever, like, how am I going to make it work? And so I do make it work. It's not, you know, this is not a romantic, like, oh, I'm just going to paint whatever I want. If it works out, it works out. I say, okay, this is what I'm doing to pay the bills. This is how much time I'm going to spend towards this new work and in developing Mm -hmm. it because Mm -hmm. the whole thing, the voice is in largely invisible work, but you can't bypass it. I have to do that work to be, Mm -hmm. you know, to be good or remotely good at anything. Mm -hmm. And so I've done a lot of the work of kind of dividing my life and my time up into those pockets of this is going to pay the bills. This is going, this is education. This is what's going to evolve my work. This is what my family gets. This is what I get for me. And right now the me the me time is very, very low, but mm-hmm. I know that it's not going to be this way forever. So that's yeah. the other thing that keeps me going is knowing that everything is temporary and yes. it's going to shift again. And I'm going to get a lot more time for myself soon. And when that happens, I'm going to miss out on other things that I'm enjoying right now because you yeah. can't have everything at once. So yeah. I find really hard to enjoy what I do have right now knowing that all of those levels are going to change again soon in a couple months. It's so funny because I actually just got off a two-hour mastermind call with um, my um, female founders mastermind that I host for eight incredible women. And they all talk about this exact thing. A lot of them are mothers, right? And they're all like, you know, I feel like I wish my business was further ahead than it was, but I... Um, I also have children and like I could, I could sacrifice time with them and maybe I'd be further ahead, but then I'm going to look back and think I missed that time with them. Yeah. Right. So it's true. You can have everything, but maybe not all at once. And it's about prioritizing. We just talked about this today about prioritizing right right now, what is most important to you. Right. And And the seasons change and things change and you know, your girls grow up and maybe they're in daycare, whatever things happen. And then you can reprioritize again. Yeah. Um, but I think that there is like accepting where you are, you know, that's a big part of it. And that is hard. I mean, that's very hard for me. I'm very, yeah. um, I'm very micro-focused. So it's hard for me to zoom out and believe that yeah. it won't always be like this, you know? Yes. That is when I stop and I take stock and I look back at how much life has changed over the last couple of years. And I know that it will continue to do so. And that Mm -hmm. reminds me that, you know, this moment is temporary. This, these weeks are temporary and it Mm -hmm. will change and it's going to feel really short. 
when I look back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. I want to talk a little bit about your most recent books. So you have um, How It Feels to Find Yourself, which, which mm-hmm. just came out fairly recently. Yeah. And then you have a new journal that is coming out shortly, and you'll tell us when, but called Go Your Own Way. But let's start with um, How It Feels to Find Yourself. Can you tell us more about this book? Sure. So How It Feels to Find Yourself was written during the pandemic, um, right Mm -hmm. after while I had given breaks to my firstborn, Nadi. And it is a bunch of color palettes that walk you through um, transitional, life's greatest transitions. So the Mm -hmm. color palettes, you know, outline things like um, what it feels like to not be productive. Or what it feels like when a friendship falls apart. What it feels like when you find love for the first time. Mm. What it feels like when you lose love. Um, so many of like the biggest life moments for us that hold the most meaning. And, you know, because of that ability also hold the most ache. Worst um, mm. ache for us. Because sometimes the most beautiful the most beautiful and joyful moments are born from places of difficulty and heartache. Mm-hmm. So the book is about transition and navigating them according to your internal compass so that you are creating a life that is parallel to your own values and motivations and goals and mm-hmm. that reflects who you are and not who somebody else is. Not who somebody else is mm-hmm. and also not who you feel you should be, but who should you are. Who feels like mm-hmm. you? So each palette is paired with an essay, um, and it also has it has a lot of critical questions for reflection and thought, and mm-hmm. a lot of personal anecdotes and experiences of my own. But the overarching theme of the book, honestly, is that every emotion holds value for us, and every emotion that we experience has something of value to teach us. And so if you are going to always chase happiness or comfort in your life, you are holding your, you're going to miss out on a lot of depth and a lot of demeaning because those moments that give our life its fullness um, and its wholeness come from every emotion, you know, loneliness, ache, longing, Mm. difficulty like all of those not only the ones that feel good so that's really what the book is about I want people to embrace all of life and all of their experiences and find the beauty um in each one. Oh, it's so beautiful Mira honestly I love it so much and I you know um because I have been through so many yeah. So many periods of grief and all the things you just described, ache and longing and all of it. And I can sit on the other side and I say other side, meaning I'm, I'm not in that phase of life right now, but I can say that I do feel more alive having experienced all of it. I do feel more whole. I do feel more human and more able to see other humans, you yeah. know, like the, like their soul and their spirit and um, and like their range of all the things that they've gone through and their, all their range of emotions. And, um, 
it's like if we if we can't accept if we we aren't able to accept all those parts of ourselves it's almost like we're rejecting those parts of ourselves you know and yeah um i love i love the way you put that that is just beautiful we'd we'll be closed off right from so many experiences and relationships that give us that full the full prison effect and i think you know a person really has to ask themselves what they want from their life. Do they want to experience the breath, you know, the full breadth of life and all of the experiences and relationships that it can offer? Um, and sorry, I'm like losing myself in <laughs> my own thoughts. No, you, no, I'm, I'm with you. you. If you follow what is safest, it's not going to bring you to those places. And it's not going to bring you, you know, to a place where you look back and you're like, whoa, I did that, or I experienced that, or I got through that. It's yes. nice to be able to surprise yourself in that way. Yes, I, I so agree with you. And I do think, you know, that is how, like, that is how we get to know ourselves, right? Like we get to know ourselves by, by, embracing all parts of life and it's and it's how we get to love ourselves and and to know our strength and to know our resilience um yeah i feel like we could talk about just this topic for (laughs) it's so good but i want to make sure we talk about your upcoming journal um called go your own way i'm super excited to learn more about it and um i know you're you're sending me a copy to to um to use, but please tell us more about Go Your Own Way. Um, so Go Your Own Way is a book for building self-confidence. And I'm really, I th- I feel very um, close to this topic right now because when I became a mother three years ago, I felt really, really shocked by the experience. And I felt also shocked by just how vulnerable I felt by the simple mm-hmm. act of becoming a mother. Um, I felt super, you know, postpartum, I felt super disconnected from myself. I felt super isolated, but honestly, I was surprised by how much I felt unprepared for this role. And looking back on it now, I don't know why I thought I would ever feel prepared for it. It's not, Mm. it is really not something like more than like, becoming like accepting like a partner or like living with somebody or welcoming a sibling or anything like that I how could you teach somebody how to be a parent or prepare them for it at all Mm -hmm. um so I think I felt just really shocked by the experience and I felt really 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 insecure like I am not good at this. I don't know how to do this. I don't know who I am. All these other mamas are out there making it look so easy. They look so good. They feel good. They're so strong. I can't even lift the baby carrier. Like I don't, my baby won't stop crying. Theirs is napping all the time. Like there is, there are the amount of things you can feel insecure about is never ending. It's so true. (laughs) It was, it was, oh my goodness, I, it was, I was in a pretty bad place. Um, so incidentally, I made this journal 
which is about finding self-confidence again, building it rather. And because I was in my mid-30s when I wrote this, it felt really universal, really universal in that you could confidence is something you can lose and then build back. Mm -hmm. It's not something that's gone forever. It's also probably not something that stays forever. Like somebody at some point will have an experience that shakes them. And that takes away for taking on new things, right? Like motherhood is new or like, you know, um, creating children's books or children's art, that's new. So when, especially when you are drawn to taking on new things, you're going to go through those moments of feeling shaky and lack of confidence. Yeah. It means you're challenging yourself. You're taking risk. You're growing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing that um, go your own way is based on is a reminder to myself where I felt so insecure and like I didn't have what it takes. And I looked back on my own life and I was like, well, you didn't think you had what it takes to do any of the things that you did. Mm-hmm. And you did them. And the way I did them was always by going my own way, by figuring out which path was for me. It was usually not one that someone in my life had taken or could give me a roadmap for. It was listening to myself, embracing what about me, even if they are qualities that I think are unbecoming. I am starting to recognize some of my what I what I call as more difficult or hard qualities about myself. Mm-hmm. I'm recognizing recognizing them as strengths. Mm-hmm. And I'm not only embracing them, but that also gives me the compassion and the ability to look at myself and say, you know, some of these qualities are rough around the edges. So, you know, this part of your personality is great because it does A, but it also makes somebody else feel like B. And how is that something we could work on so that you keep the strength of it, but you don't push somebody away because of it? Yes. So there, you know, I, I am someone that believes there's always room for self-improvement and I really want to be somebody that if I am in your life, I want you to, I want you to feel good about our relationship. I want you to feel safe with me. Mm -hmm. I want you to feel encouraged and that our friendship gives you what you need, um, when you need it. I will always fall short and I will always, you know, have things to apologize for or to make right. But being able to see how parts of your personality affect other people, being able to discern whether they are parts of your personality you want to change fast or work on, or whether you're like, this is me. And if someone can't accept it, then they're not for me. Those are all um, various roads to building confidence. And finding your own path. I feel like I kind of just rambled there, Kano. So please, <laughs> please let me know if you need me to sift through that. Um, no, no, no. This is really, I mean, I think well, I liked what you said about, because I always talk about, you know, knowing what your gifts are and what your strengths are and how do you lean into them. But I, I love what you're saying about being able to embrace those parts of yourself, but also, as you said, know where you're rough around the edges and there's room for improvement. So it's not holding on to the parts of you that you, um, you know, that you consider strengths as 
like an iron shield, right? It's not like saying like, I, you know, I'm this way or whatever. Right. It's like, it's, it's appreciating that part of you, but then also, um, saying like being able to self-reflect and say like, but still, how could I do this better or gentler or, you know? Um, yeah, I think that's so interesting. I think there is always a way to be true to yourself um, without harming someone else. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of that is about having boundaries. And that is certainly, you know, on the path to uh, going where you want to go in your own way is having boundaries. That's yes. a big thing in your relationship yeah. with yourself, with what you're going to commit to and not commit to. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so funny because I remember when we met up in Miami. Yeah. <laughs> I love talking about this because it was <laughs> I, I like it was just we just happened to be there. My sister was there for a conference and you had embarked on your the beginning of your journey, right? Of like le- leaving your job and you left your Brooklyn apartment where it all began and you were in Miami and I was in Miami for a few days and Nova was 6 months old at that point. She was just she was literally, I'm thinking, um, Frida's six months old, your daughter, and she, Nova was six months old at the time. And we met up and I just remember sort of the the excitement that you felt, but also the trepidation, like, what am I doing? Like, there was a sense of like, I have to do this, but also what am I doing? And like, just this vastness of, of uncertainty, right? That lay ahead of you. Um and so now that it's been, well, I guess Nova's seven now. So it's been, you yeah. know, that many years yeah. since that meeting in Miami. Yeah. Tell me about your journey from that point of like deciding to leave your job and go all in on your art and yeah. um, to where you are now. Tell tell us about that journey. I think it has been an absolute whirlwind Um since then, I will say that it has been a continuation of, I'm really excited and this is what I should be doing, but also, whoa, there's no ground beneath my feet. Mm-hmm. So a couple months after I met up with you and Renita and Nova in Miami, I mm-hmm. I continued traveling for like the next mm-hmm. six, seven months um, through the country. But a couple months after I met you, um, I met my husband in Nashville, mm-hmm. my now husband. Mm-hmm. Um, just went out on a random date off the internet <laughs> and met him. <laughs> First person I went out with and I kept traveling. I left him in Asheville and I kept traveling and then I ended up moving there and we were engaged the following year. We bought a farmhouse on 20 acres. Mm-hmm. We ended up, you know, acquiring a bunch of uh, dogs, some tiny house tenants, a greenhouse, 16 chickens. We farmed our own land. We renovated the entire farmhouse. We had our first baby, Nadia, in that house. We isolated through COVID um, for a year and a half on the farm. Saw nobody for, like, mm-hmm. nobody. Mm-hmm. Not a soul <laughs> for an entire year. And three months after giving birth to Nadia, my husband encouraged me to apply to grad school for uh, to get my MFA, something that had always just been a dream of mine since I am self-taught and always wanted to go to art school. 
So it did. And I received a full, um, a full scholarship and a fellowship to attend. So still in the pandemic, we finished the farmhouse. We sold it. We moved to St. Louis with our eight month old. And last two years I spent in grad school at WashU here in St. Louis. And for the second year, the first year was the first year, you know, coming out of the pandemic and figuring out what is my new voice? What is this new work I want to make? You know, at the time it was when I decided, okay, you know, my dream has changed a little bit. Like my dream was to work for myself. I, I did that. I made that happen. And what is my dream now? Am I satisfied um, with my work? Do I feel like I'm living up to my own expectations and like to my heart? Mm-hmm. And the truth was that I was again found myself living in fear and not pursuing my lifelong dream of making work for children for writing and illustrating children's books. And so I I started going to grad school. I said I'm going to use these two years to pivot my work, figure out what my voice is, what do I want to write about? What is, you know, what is making work for children? What do I want to say to them? Why is this work important to me? What kind of books do I feel like our youth are missing out on? Um and of course for me, true to all my other work and my work for adults, my work for children is to primarily let them know that who they are is wonderful. And what they feel is not something to be afraid of. Mm-hmm. That the emotions they feel are valid and are to be valued and are not to be hushed up or not spoken about or to feel ashamed about. And also to know that people are multifaceted. Um, they're multifaceted. Their parents are multifaceted. Everybody has so many conflicting sides. And that is part of the beauty of being human. Mm-hmm. And feeling sadness and experiencing difficulty are also part of the beauty of being human. Part of the human condition is that we have bodies and minds that are able to hold conflicting emotions, feelings, and experiences all at the same time. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, you will feel like you were going to burst with all of the conflicting emotions you Mm -hmm. feel, but not to run away from that, to sift through it, to be curious Mm -hmm. about it, to recognize it in others, to learn how to talk about it. I really want children growing up to be able to talk about and communicate their emotions in ways that me and you growing up were not taught to. Mm-hmm. There's so much I never talked about with my parents that a little of which we we do now we're the most open we've ever been. Yeah, but I did not grow up knowing how to talk about some of the yes. more difficult things. Yes, and I don't want future generations to feel shame simply based on the emotions that are in their body. Mm-hmm. Um. So, okay. So figured out what I, why I want to make work for children, what I want to make. And then true to me, I decided to make things a little bit more difficult this last year by getting pregnant. So (laughs) my second year of grad school, I did, I was writing a book. I wrote two books, right? I wrote how it feels to find yourself the first year of grad school. I finished go your own way the second year. Yep. While doing my master's thesis project, my pregnant, being pregnant. And yeah. So 
And like having a- Rita right around the time of like, oh, wasn't yeah. it like days later or something? That you- early, of course. So yes, I had right. planned it all out. I'm like, this is how I finish my defense. I'm going to go in and defend my dissertation. I'm going to do my project and run my studio show. Then Frida comes and we're all, everything's tied up. And Frida came 10 days early. And so I gave birth and then I went back to school and I did my defense a couple weeks later. No. And then I was able to graduate and be at home with her. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And now here we okay. are. <laughs> oh my goodness. Here we are. But I, I like just want to pause for a moment because I think again, it's in only in hindsight that we can see um how things unfolded and how they started with really a decision to bet on yourself, right? Like to have faith in yourself, to have faith that you would figure it out, to have faith that if it didn't work out, you would find a new path, like find your own way, another way. You know what I mean? And um, I think that that's like what we don't spend enough time talking about is like, like the path not taken. Meaning like if you're drawn to this doing something new, something that may challenge you, that may shake your self-confidence at any age, right? And and if you choose to not do that, um, you know, what is the result of not taking that path, you know? And yeah. like, what if you had had not had the courage, right? And not like made Fear Your Friend, another one right. of your beautiful books, <laughs> right? And and not made Fear Your Friend and gone and done it anyway. Like what would the last however many years, eight, nine years, what would they have looked like? And what would you have not done? And what experiences might you not have had? And right? also, Tina, and who, who would you be? That's what right. What part of your being would not have taken shape? That's would not have been carved that. out? Yes, huge. Yeah, I see so many people where I'm like, I, I I admire Kena. Look at all of the things she's been through. Look at all of the things she's doing. I want to be like that. But the thing is, like, being a resilient, challenged, challenging person, you have to do the hard thing. You become someone who can do hard things by doing hard things. Yes. And that doesn't mean they're easy for you. That's something I'm always learning because I'm always in a place of why am I making my own life more difficult? Why mm-hmm. am I choosing this? I don't, yes. I don't have to. I know. I ask myself that too all the time. Why am I making my life so difficult? <laughs> I could not have a kid yes. a couple days before graduating. Like I, I could have been a choice I made. Yes. But you have to evaluate what is important to you. What is the road you want to have experienced, right? Not even necessarily about where it's going to take you, but Mm -hmm. what does the road itself look like to you? And I know that at the end of my life, I'm not going to look back and be like, whoa, I had such an easy road and I enjoyed it so much and I feel so lucky. I'm going to look back where I want to look back and be like, whoa, that road was windy. And it was mm-hmm. really hard sometimes. And you didn't think you were going to make it through? And look, you're here. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm going to feel good about. Mm-hmm. And I try to remind myself that. Because I do, a lot of days, wake up and say, why am I doing this to myself? It's yeah, absolutely <laughs> unnecessary. <laughs> yeah. 
You know, I just had this thought about like how when you have a best friend, right, you just pour so much love into that best friend and you believe in that best friend and you cheer that best friend on and you just want the best for them and you see the highest version of them, right? And part of, I think, you know, finding your own way and, and creating and getting to know yourself is creating that relationship with yourself. And so that you are that person for you, right? Because, you know, we talked about this in my group today that nobody is going to tell you what it is that you should want. And even if they did, then it's like something you should want. It's not what you actually want, right? And so you have to establish that friendship with yourself. And and like your best friend also knows your flaws. Your best friend also knows like, oh man, like watch out, like, you know, where you, where you can fall or where you can get caught up. Um, but that doesn't lessen their belief in you. And I feel like that's partly what, um, you know, finding your own way or, or going your own way is about is like building that relationship with yourself. And I always think about that with you, Mira, like there's this, this, like, I love the words quiet confidence. I use them a lot to describe certain people that I admire because it's quiet in the sense that you don't need to be loud about it, right? It's it's just like an inner knowing. Um, and as you've said so many times, it's not an inner knowing that doesn't ever have doubt or it's not an inner knowing that doesn't ever question or ask yourself, why am I doing this? Right. But the louder voice is that quiet confidence that says, no, Mira, you can do this. And, and I believe in you. And that's what keeps you going. And the more consistent voice, I think. The one, yeah. it's, a, it's a foundational voice. And I yes. do think that, like your, I think this is a beautiful and su- such a true point that you've made, which is that you have to be that person for yourself. You have to have that connection with yourself. You have to believe in you. And mm-hmm. I think that only comes from doing really the most difficult and like disorienting work, like introspective work. You have to talk to yourself. You have to get to know yourself. You have to want to change. Yes. And you have to be willing to do that hard work of looking where it is most uncomfortable and where mm-hmm. you're not always going to like what you see. You have mm-hmm. to be able to face yourself. And that really is the basis and the foundation for the self-love that is going to allow you to do the most difficult things. So good. It's so good. (laughs) I'm going to be conscious of the time because I know you have to leave um, soon. Yes. Um, Unfortunately. You can write it for 15. It's okay. I can edit this part out. Okay. Okay. All good. So I'm going to go straight to this last question then. Okay. Okay. Um, Okay. So Mira, um, just to close things off with you, although I feel like, well, you will have all books coming out all the time. We'll just have another, we can do another conversation when your journal comes out and it can be just about your journal. Okay. I would love that. I would yeah, love I think we should need excuse to see you again, really. Yeah. <laughs> we'll bring it to life. We'll bring the journal to life in our conversation. Okay, um, but what I wanted to ask you is this podcast is called Be All You Are, as you know. And I wanted to ask you, what do you think it means to be all you are? Hmm. I think being all you are is 
not always putting your best foot forward, but putting your most honest foot forward and being honest with the person that is always there for you, who will always follow you around, who will always be there when no one else is, and that's you. And being able to be honest with yourself, I think, allows you to be honest and open with anybody else in the world. And that's where all the love comes pouring in. I love it so much. Thank you, Mira. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you found inspiration and use this podcast to start stepping into all you are. To hear more about the podcast, follow me over on Instagram at Kana underscore all you are. Send me a DM. I'd love to hear from you. And if you're loving the podcast, I'd be so honored if you go ahead and hit that subscribe button and leave me a five-star review. Until next time, remember to keep exploring what it means to be all you are.